0: In Genesis 43, verse 8, Judah is speaking to Israel, the father of Benjamin, and Judah said unto Israel, his father, send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. Chapter 44, this is after Joseph has said, Benjamin is staying with me. Verse 30, now therefore when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life. Well, there's a sermon there, isn't there? It shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us that he'll die. And thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever now therefore I pray thee and here we have the heart of the gospel I'm not taking that too far in any measure here we have the heart the soul of the gospel now therefore I pray thee let thy servant abide Instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go to my father, and the lad be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father? Now you will remember that Joseph had had the silver cup planted in Benjamin's sack, And he sent them all back to Canaan laden with corn but planned all along to bring them back shortly because of the cup that was planted in Benjamin's sack. Joseph had said that the one in whose sack the silver cup was found would remain. And we know that it was found in Benjamin's sack. And Joseph planted it there. We considered this last week. The one who was not guilty of the betrayal of Joseph. Was the one who had the evidence of the crime. That is the gospel. So. Joseph has them return back to him. And we read in verse 14 of Genesis 44. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house. They had been found out according to Joseph's plan. For he was yet there and they fell before him on the ground. Now there, that happens again. That almost seems to be their familiar position by this time. You'll remember Joseph's dreams. Here they are again at his feet on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that you've done? What ye not that such a man's eye can certainly divine? I can see. I know exactly what takes place. Now, did Joseph have some kind of supernatural power? He may have. I don't know. But I know this. The reason he knew that the, Silver cup was in Benjamin's sack because he planted it there. And he had every intention to bring him back. But I, he says to these brethren of his who do not yet know who he is, he said, don't you know I can see exactly what takes place? You can't pull anyone on me. I see what's going on. Here's Judah's reply. And Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak or how shall we clear ourselves God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. You know, they've been living with this for 22 years. God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. And Joseph said, God forbid that I should do so. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, get ye up in peace unto your father. You're free to go. Benjamin's staying with me. Now this is when Judah brings this impassioned speech about him becoming surety for this young boy. Verse 18, then Judah came near unto him. And said, "O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh." My Lord asked his servants, saying, "Have you a father or a brother?" Now Joseph was speaking through an interpreter, and he knew they had a father and a brother, and he asked them, "Do you have a father? Do you have a brother?" And we said unto my Lord, verse 20, we have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one. And his brother is dead. His brother, Benjamin's brother is dead. Joseph knew they were speaking of him at this time. And he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou saidst unto thy servants, bring him down unto me that I may set mine eyes upon him. You remember when he accused them of being spies the first time they came down? He said, you're not going to come here again unless you bring your brother and prove yourselves to be real and true men. And that's when they went back to their father with the corn. And we said unto my Lord, the lad can't leave his father. If he should leave his father, his father would die. Now, this is a life and death situation. If we don't come down with him uh, and get corn, we're all going to die of starvation. If we come back with the corn, but we don't have our brother, our father will die. That's how much he loves the lad. Verse 23 And thou saidst unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, You shall see my face no more. Now we have a predicament here. And it came to pass when we came up into thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, this is after some time had passed, go again and buy us a little food. And we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then will we go down? For we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. They said, Jacob, to their father Jacob, we're all going to die if we don't bring Benjamin down. Verse 27, And thy servant my father said unto us, You know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he's torn in pieces. I saw him not since. And if you take this also from me, and mischief befall him, you shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now, therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, I come back with ben, without Benjamin. And the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life. It shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he'll die. And thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord. And let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. Then Joseph could refrain himself no longer. That is when he made himself known to his brethren. And we're going to consider that next week, Lord willing. The heart of the gospel. Substitution. That's the heart. That's the soul of the gospel. Many years ago, a preacher by the name of Scott Richardson, some of you, maybe many of you know of him, he made this statement. I want you to listen to it. He said, a message without the cross Is a mistake in its conception and a crime in its execution. You believe that? The subject of the Scripture, the subject, not a subject, the subject of the Scripture is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The subject of the scripture is what we just read of Let me abide in his place as his substitute, and you let the lad go free. Now turn with me to first Corinthians chapter one Verse seventeen. For Christ sent me not to baptize. Wouldn't it be a thrill if anyone in this room who has not confessed Christ in believer's baptism wanted to confess Christ in believer's baptism? We'd be thrilled, wouldn't we? But what does Paul say? That's not my job. Christ didn't send me to baptize. He's not saying anything against baptism. We love baptism. But he says this I wasn't sent to get results, I wasn't sent to baptize people. I was sent to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words. Not by dressing up the cross and making it more appealing to the flesh. To try to make it to where people would be more likely to believe. Not with wisdom of words. Trying to explain away and take the offense out of the cross. Not trying to soften it up. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now do you hear that? If I use wisdom of words to remove the offense of the cross, no one will be saved. God will not bless that. Four, the preaching of the cross. That's the message of the Bible. The doctrine of the cross, the word of the cross, the message of the cross. Do you know the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ displays every attribute of God? It's the most godlike thing God's ever done. It's the most glorious thing. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the preaching, the doctrine, the word of the cross is to them that perish. Foolishness. But. Unto us which are saved. It. The word of the cross. The doctrine of the cross. The preaching of the cross. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is. The power. Of God. And Look down in verse 23. Verse 22 rather. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Now, the Jews are the religious people. I need some evidence to let me know what you're saying is true. I need a sign. I need some proof. I need some evidence that there's something to this message. I need a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. Now, this is not talking about that fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. This is talking about wisdom to make this world a better place. We want to make this world a better place. We want to improve education. We want to improve health care. We want to get rid of poverty. We want to make this world a better place. They seek wisdom. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Now, what is meant by that? That means the only way a sinner can be saved is by Jesus Christ, the God-man coming and keeping the law for them, bearing their sins, being put to death on the cross as a sin-bearing substitute. And if he died for you, you must be saved. It's not an offer. He's not offering you forgiveness. He's not offering you salvation. He saves. It is finished. We preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews, a stumbling block. Why? Wow. That kind of teaching—that all that's required for you to be saved is for Him to die for you. Why? Wow. You take away any uh, motivation for good works. You'll take away any uh, motivation for evangelism. This I stumble at this. I, I I can't go there. That's the Jews' reaction. The Greeks. Well, how's this going to help society? How's this going to help poverty? How's this going to make this world a better place? How's this going to help technology? How's this going to do what we need to do to make this world a better place? It's... Foolishness. But unto them which are called. There's the difference. But to them which are called. What? Christ, the power of God. And Christ, the wisdom of God. The cross is the wisdom of God in making a way for him to be perfectly just and justify an ungodly sinner so that they stand before God having never sinned with a perfect history. That took the wisdom of God and it took the power of God to execute it. It wouldn't happen without that. Now look what Paul says in chapter 2 verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined, I made this my resolve. I knew this ahead of time. This was my determination. Not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm not interested in any other subject. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, if we confine our preaching to the cross and speak of nothing else, it will be a widening rather than a narrowing of our ministry. The cross. Do you see what Paul said where you would determine right with Paul not to know anything among anybody save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know a great deal about before creation, obviously. There was a time when all there was was God. There was no time. There was no matter. There was no space. I've always loved this statement by Spurgeon. Uh, I am quoting it. He said there was no angel to flap his wings through the unnavigated ether. (laughs) All there was was God. Here's what we know about before time. Christ is the lamb slain. The lamb having been slain from the foundation of the world. And God created the universe for Christ to come and be slain. That is God's purpose in all things. The lamb slain. Listen, before you ever committed a sin, before you were even a twinkle in your mommy or daddy's eye, Christ was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world? He creates the world, he puts Adam in the garden, and he says to Adam, Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. He did die. Now you'll remember, I think it was in a message recently. Um, God's only looked at two people, Adam, the first Adam, and the second Adam. Do you know the fall didn't even take place until Adam ate the fruit? When Eve ate the fruit, nothing happened. It was when Adam ate the fruit that their eyes were opened. He is the man. In Adam, all died. And that death, without that death, there'd be no cross. You know, God brings good out of evil. This is Don't ever forget this. God always brings good out of evil. You may not understand what he's doing at any time, but he does. And we don't need to understand what he's doing. We trust his character. God brings good out of evil all the time. And what good came out of the death of Adam? After Adam fell, we're given the first gospel message. Serpent, you're going to bruise his heel on the cross, but he's going to crush your head. And then our first parents saw the first shedding of blood, and God slew a lamb. I think it was Christ who slew the lamb. You know, when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the evening, I have no doubt that that's Jesus Christ the Lord. He slew that animal. You see, they tried to make a covering for their nakedness. Any covering we make won't work. And He removed that and clothed them with the skin of that lamb the cross. The very first story outside of the garden. Cain and Abel. Cain brings the fruit of the ground. Abel brings the blood of a lamb he'd slain, knowing that that blood would not put away his sins, but it was the lamb that it pointed to. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ just the way you and I do. His only hope was the blood of Christ, and when he comes into God's presence, he comes with the blood. The scripture says God had respect to Abel and his offering. Now you think of what's the value of something for God to respect it. God respected Abel and his offering. They couldn't be separated, but to Cain and his offering, he had no respect. Now what happened? Well, I can see Abel and Cain having this discussion. Cain's angry. Why did he accept your offering and not mine? It doesn't seem fair. I've given my best to this. And I can see Abel explaining to Cain, perhaps with tears in his eyes, we can't come into God's presence in and of ourselves. We're sinful. The only way we can come is through the blood. Abel grows more angry. Blood, I'll show you blood. He bashes his brains in. What was the issue of the first murder? The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2,000 years pass and men have been able to develop their iniquity to such. It always was that way, but now it comes out more. And the scripture says 2,000 years later that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So what did he do? He told Noah to make an ark. He gave him the exact dimensions of that ark. And you know what? Inside of that ark, everybody was saved. The wrath of God hit the ark from every angle. Who was saved? Only those in the ark. The wrath of God was poured upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody in him saved, safe, and secure. Abraham is probably considered the most significant figure of the scripture as far as men go. Uh, Believers are called children of Abraham. And I can show you so many different times where he made altars, offered sacrifices. The first thing God, the first time God appeared to him, the first thing he did was make an altar. Now, turn with me to Genesis 22 for just a moment. You know the story of. God saying, take now your son, your only son whom you love, and offer him up as a burnt offering to me on a mountain that I'll show you of. Look in verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And there's nobody that has thought, could I do that? Could I do that? Pick up the knife to slay my child? If you believed God would raise him from the dead after you did it, you would. Abraham knew that would take place. And in his mind, that boy was already dead. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, hear mine. He said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Just like. Judah said, let me go in his stead. And Abraham called the name of that place, Jehovah-Jireh. As it said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. The Lord shall provide. The Lord will see to it. Now, I have, um, I'm going to skip all the rest of the Old Testament stuff because we'll be here all night if I do this. So let me get to the end of the message. When John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, announced to him, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God. This is that Lamb that was slain to cover. This is the Lamb Abel brought. This is the lamb, the first thing Noah did. He, he got out and offered burnt offerings when he got off the ark. This is Abraham's substitute lamb. Oh, don't you love that scripture where the Lord said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And I have no doubt that he was talking about that. Don't you reckon he rejoiced when that lamb was provided for his son? Oh, I'm sure he, he was skipping down that mountain so happy. This is the Passover lamb. Where God said, when I see the blood of that lamb, I will pass over you. This is the lamb spoken of in Leviticus 16. This is the Isaiah's, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Now this lamb had already lived 30 years Don't you love the way the Lord veils it all in secrecy? We wouldn't have got it anyway. Um, Only that one statement from when he was 12 years old. But during that 30-year period, he worked out a perfect righteousness. And then his public ministry begins when... John the Baptist announces him, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, this Lamb, the Lamb of God. You know, read the book of Revelation. How many times is the Lamb mentioned? The Lamb of God. Well, the Lamb had three years of public ministry, preaching the gospel. Then he's nailed to a cross. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world is slain in time. Acts 4, 27, 28. The early church, shortly after his resurrection, made this glorious statement. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, both whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. You see, this had all been determined before the foundation of the world. And you read of his death, it's almost like the people who, who put him to death. It's like they said, Well, what do we do next? Let's look in the Psalms. Let's look at Isaiah. I mean, they just they just did what God said they would do. Why? Why? Is God's purpose number one? Number two, why was He nailed to a cross? Why did He not answer for Himself? Because He's guilty. You know, included in this thing of the Lamb is the fact that sin was transferred. We just you read about that in the, in the the uh, the law of the two birds. That's in there. That's in the. Um, The uh, Leviticus chapter 16 where the the priest lays his hand on the head of the sacrifice. The sins were symbolically transferred. When the Lord died on the cross, they weren't symbolically transferred. He bare our sins in his own body on the tree and he became guilty of the commission of those sins. He never committed them, but he became guilty of the commission of them. And that is why he died. God's purpose, he was guilty. And in him doing this, he was saying, let me abide in Todd's stead and let Todd go free. When he said it is finished, all my sins were put away. If you're a believer, I don't have any doubt that you have sin on your heart. It's been put away. It's gone. You stand before God without sin because of the Lamb slain. Now, when I see the glory... And the completeness of his substitutionary death. That is when God has made himself known. When did Joseph no longer, was he no longer able to refrain himself? And he made himself known to his brethren? When he heard Judah make that statement, let me abide in his stead. This is always the case in Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 when we read of the accuser of our brethren that accuses our brethren day and night. Could he make any accusations against you which were false? Any accusations he makes? They're worse than he makes in reality. How did they overcome him? they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. In the time when time is no longer heaven, eternity, no more time, what is the song? Worthy is the Lamb That was slain. When with the ransomed in glory. His face. At last I shall see. Will be my song. Through the ages. To sing of his love. For me. The heart. And the soul. Of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you that your son became our surety. And how we thank you that he was willing to go to the cross to glorify you and magnify you and save us. Lord, as we, in obedience to your command, observe your table in remembrance of you, enable us to truly, joyfully, believingly remember that thy son, his broken body and shed blood is our surety, set us free. We give thanks. We ask that you would enable us to preach this message everywhere we go. In Christ's name we pray.